Am I on? That certainly sounded like I was on. Good morning, our church. How are you all this morning? Wow, wasn't that an awesome worship set? Thanks for those songs, Beth. They were just awesome. Wish you, wish you gone. <laughs> just give me a second here while I just set up. Um, yeah. Morena Church, I've already said that, haven't I? Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matthew Cuthbert. Yes. And I'm the facility manager here at SABC. You may be asking yourself, okay, what's the facility manager doing up here giving a sermon? <laughs> I asked myself the very same thing. And I went, what are you thinking? Are you crazy or something? <laughs> So um, you just asked my wife, Lynette, I've talked to her many times and uh, I said, OMG, what am I doing? Well, you know, um, I've been up here on stage with the worship team and many times, but having given a sermon is actually quite a, a different kettle of fish. Very much so. Well, you know, God sometimes stirs us up and points us in certain directions. Is that right? And, um, you know, this is just one of those directions that God is, is leading. And I believe um, initially, you know, this is my first preaching spot. <laughs> this is my first time preaching. So, um, you know, I, I sort of tried to get the first preaching spot of the year, but actually Tara beat me to it. <laughs> I don't know why I wanted the first preaching spot of the year, but there you go. Um, you know, I also, uh, God just steers us in certain directions. I believe this is one of those directions. And when I was listening to Pastor Paul's sermon on the 15th of January, how to go deeper with God. And, you know, this is just one of those situations where we're just going deeper with God. We're going from ankle deep to waist deep. <laughs> so I'm at waist deep at the moment. And so hopefully this sermon, I'm not going to be over my head because uh, <laughs> I also like to just acknowledge, you know, Pastor Paul and uh, oh, there's a few of here, Pastor Tara, Anna, Robert and Caleb back there, Seb, uh, Miriam, where are you there, Miriam, Mike Collins, Don, Heather, Matt McKinnis, Jono, Brenda, Retro, Paul Johnson, and Simon Dodge, and Tori. Um, you know, who are on the preaching team? Isn't that amazing? What an amazing, um, talented group. It's a, certainly a gifted skill, you know, about um, crafting a sermon. And I hope I can do it justice today anyway. So the title of my uh, message is Māti Whakapono Kaora Aite Tangata Tika which translates The Righteous Shall Live By Faith. So let's look at our scripture today. Um, if you've got your Bibles or your books or phone, um, thanks Mitch if you can put that, that slide up. I've also have it up here. And we're going to be reading today 
from Matthew 19, 18 to 34. It is quite a long text, so just, um, I'll just go through it and you can follow along. While he was saying this, the synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding of 12 years came up behind him and touched his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her and said, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that very moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house, he saw a noisy crowd and people playing pipes. And he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. For they laughed at him. And the crowd had been, after the crowd had been put outside, he went and took the girl by the hand and she got up. And news of this spread through all the region. Thanks, much, the next one. As Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus, and the demon was driven out. The man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd were amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Now, church, when I heard this text, when I read this text, I thought, wow, there are amazing healing miracles and faith that occurred, not just once in this instance, but one after the other. Jesus had very little time to take a breath. And, and the next and before the next event took place, imagine, I imagine how I would have cope with a series of events. These texts are recorded of the miracles that Jesus did on a daily basis by Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Not only did Jesus do these miracles, but he also did so much more that are not recorded. In John 21, 25, the scripture tells us the things that Jesus did, and if they were all written down, the whole world would not have the room for the books that would have been written. Wow, isn't that just mind-boggling? The ones that we know about are the ones in these particular scriptures that were recorded by Matthew. Matthew is also referred to as Levi in the Gospels. Mark and Luke give an account of the calling of the tax collector. Levi, who was also known as Matthew, and Tara spoke about this in her message just a few weeks ago, 
tax collectors were despised by all the people as lowlifes who worked for the Romans collecting taxes, or in modern terms, the IRD. <laughs> Matthew could have been relatively well off in his day. However, he dropped all that when Jesus came walking by and said, come, follow me. Now, the thing that amazes me is that Matthew just threw away everything he knew and went off with this stranger called Jesus. At this particular time, Jesus was explaining to his disciples of the bridegroom when the synagogue leader Jairus came and knelt before him, asking him to come and lay his hands on his daughter so she would live. We see Jesus always has time for anyone who has a need, amen? And that includes us, church. On the way to the synagogue leader's house, a woman, 12 years hemorrhaging, with a blood issue, was looking to touch Jesus. And we know reading Mark 5 and Luke 8 that this woman spent all her life savings on physicians and endured many things at the hands of so-called healers. She became worse and not better. This woman was way down the list. She was not a synagogue leader. She wasn't wealthy. She wasn't anyone important. She was unclean. Everyone avoided her like the plague. Twelve years of living like this must have been unbelievably torturous. This sickness would have taken its toll on her financially, socially, broken and in pain, and very much an outcast. However, she still had hope. And she said to herself, I'll be made whole if I touch the edge of his garment. Now, I just want to look back in the, just to reference the Old Testament here. In Leviticus 8.30, Moses anointed Aaron's garments with anointing oil and blood from the altar and sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and the sons and their garments. And in Exodus 28, 1 to 2, now take Aaron, your brother, from the, among the sons of children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, and you shall make holy garments for, your, for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You know, the Jews referred to priest garments as anointed, Worn in the Old Testament priests, the, the garment was symbolic, just hold that thought, thought, church, of being set apart, beautifully ordained. They represented the Lord. Aaron and his sons were given a commission by God as sacred, anointed, representatives ministering in the tent of meeting, wearing priestly garments. The Israelites knew the significance of this. Now, church, just keep in mind, the anointed garments are only symbolic. This was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ as he holds the priesthood permanently as the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is also the high priest of our confessions, holy, innocent, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. 
he'll offer himself up as sacrifice once and for all. We read about this in Matthew 14, Mark 3, and Mark 6, about the anointing of priest's garments. So we see many wanting to touch the garment of Jesus. We read here the woman knew this, and she knew Jesus was different, the promised Messiah, and all she had to do was touch his garment and she would be cured. It wasn't the garment that healed her, it was the power of Jesus. Jesus stopped and turned and said, who touched me? And as power and virtue had gone from him, why does Jesus say, who touched me? To his disciples, this must have been a crazy question, right? When all the crowd pressed in and touched Jesus. Who touched him? Well, pretty much everyone was touching him. Yet when the woman touched him, his garment, she certainly got Jesus' attention. And he stopped. And she knew in herself that the flow of blood had ceased. Why was she healed? Was she the only one? How many others in the crowd were healed? There must have been more, right? Were people there just to see a faith healer at work and to see him do miracles? Probably. Did they have any faith, maybe? Or was it only the woman who had faith? The answer is because of Jesus. Sorry, my pages are sticking. You know, Jesus had imparted power to the woman. While that power remained in himself, without it being diminished, amen? She was healed not because Jesus wanted to heal her or because she needed healing. She was healed because of her faith. I'll repeat that again, church. She was healed because of her faith. The woman came trembling and fell at Jesus' feet and confessed it was her who had touched his garment. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And she was healed at that very moment. Jesus had time for her, even among the busyness of the crowds of life. Even though he was on a mission, he stopped and met her every need. Isn't that the Jesus we know today? Jesus came. Jesus can heal you and give you your own miracle, even right here while you're sitting in the auditorium. When faith is put into action, the result is an answer to prayer. That miracle you've been asking for, that healing you've been asking for, more faith, family salvations, just like Anna mentioned last week, focused on unsaved loved ones. You know, Jesus can do anything as long as we have faith in Jesus. Seeing healings occur builds our faith, amen? It amazes us. We are happy for the person who's been healed, and this builds our faith. Instant healing is a true testimony of the power of Christ for both believers and unbelievers. And I believe God has many ways he heals, and I'm just going to list a few, and these are in no particular order. And um, the first is instant healing. People are healed on the spot 
by the Holy Spirit without being prayed for or not. The second is gradual healing. This occurs after prayer and can happen over a period of a few days, a few weeks, months. And the third is no healing. No healing. We get prayer. We pray for ourselves. We pray in groups. But nothing seems to happen. We don't see any results. It seems like God doesn't even hear us. We ask ourselves, why aren't we healed? We may pray and fast, but nothing changes. Now, circumstances, these circumstances really test our faith. Now I want to just read Galatians 4.13-15. to 15. The Apostle Paul had an illness, a physical illness that hindered him. Some scholars say it may have been some type of eye disease brought on by the blinding light on the road to Damascus. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul said, A thorn of flesh was given to me. And he pleaded with the Lord many times, at least three times, that it might depart from him. And the Lord said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul suffered many things while serving God. You know, this doesn't mean that God doesn't want to heal everyone. As believers and children of God, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And we are healed by faith, church. You know, I prayed for a guy at work in 2018. He had a bad back, bent over in pain. I asked if I could pray for him. And I said a very simple prayer, and I just placed my hand on the small of his back, and I said, in the name of Jesus, heal his muscles, tendons, spine, take away the pain. And then, I said, and then he just said, oh, thanks. And we walked back to our vehicles. Next minute, he came walking back, looking a lot straighter. Amazement on his face. And he said, I don't know what happened, but I can stand up straight. And the pain is gone. And I just I was so surprised. I was even more surprised than him. And I just went, praise the Lord. <laughs> Having the faith, church, to step out and do what the word says. You shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Miracles happen in the most unlikely situations. And so we look back to Jairus who would have heard all the accounts of Jesus about the miracles, and he knew Jesus was his only hope. Jairus' story is very intertwined with the woman with the blood hemorrhaging, 12 years. Even though his daughter lay dying, Jesus still stopped and attended another situation. We know there were large crowds, masses of people following, watching, listening, jostling about the for an advantage point just to witness something that was about to happen. And just remember, prior to this, Jesus raised the dead, calmed the seas, and cast out demons, so expectation was high. Thanks, Mitch. On the way to the house, servants met the crowd and said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Don't trouble the teacher any further. Church, that's a real human response, isn't it? What a way to be told publicly that your daughter had just died. But Jesus turned to Jairus and said, Do not fear, 
only believe. Oh, aren't those amazing words? Do not fear, only believe. Doesn't that sound like another situation with Lazarus? Jesus delayed four days before going to Lazarus, so people would see a miracle in the glory of God. Even though his daughter had now died, Jairus did not fall down defeated. He did not run away and seek solitude or wine. He stayed strong. Under those very trying circumstances, he knew Jesus would do a miracle. He believed and he had faith in the Messiah. When they arrived at the house, there was quite a commotion going on, wailing, playing of instruments, and Jesus had to deal with the crowd. He went and put them out saying, she only sleeps. Of course, they laughed at Jesus. We know the girl was dead because in Luke 8.55, it says her spirit had left her. He took her by the hand and said in Aramaic, Talitha kum, meaning little girl, I say to you, get up. And the girl gets up and starts walking around, no doubt bewildered about what was going on and taking place. And Jesus said, give her something to eat. Jesus then told them not to tell anyone about what had happened. As Jesus enters the house, two blind men follow him, asking for healing. They believed and had faith. Jesus was able to heal them. They received their sight. Wow. Imagine being able to see after being blind. Who knows how long they've been blind for, it doesn't say. Part of their life, a few years, all of their life, Jesus touched them and they saw again. That would be life-changing church. Back then, I'm assuming they had no braille, no fancy white walking canes, no trained CNI dogs. They probably had someone like a relative had to leave them around everywhere. Now, this is very interesting because Jesus sternly warned them not to publicize to anyone. Same as, as Jairus and his wife. Don't tell anyone. Don't spread the news. Now, how would you cope with this church if you had a miracle and you couldn't tell anyone? These people didn't need Twitter or Facebook or mobile phones. They broadcasted. They went out and told the people about it, about the miracles Jesus had done. Good old word of mouth. They spread the good news throughout all the villages and all the region. Totally contrary to what Jesus had told them. The reason Jesus did not want them telling their story was because it hampered his mission to spread the gospel. Sometimes to the point where Jesus and his disciples could hardly move because of the press of the crowds. And this prevented him from entering the villages, towns, so many times, and then they ended up going into the hills, mountains, and solitary places. And while they left the house and were going out, a man who was demon-possessed was brought to Jesus, and he cast out the demon, and the man spoke. And all these examples, we see Jesus is willing to heal, and people were willing to believe and have faith in Jesus, faith in his ability, because they had heard of the miracles, they had seen the awe-inspiring wonders, that he did. They came with expectant hearts. They came with faith. They came believing. 
They came with urgency because many of them were at the end of their tether. They were rock bottom, their backs were against the wall. Desperate, nowhere to go, no hope in life, down in the valley of despair. And here was a man called Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The promised Messiah who gave hope, healing and life to the world. That's no different today. Church, Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his precious blood for us that we may have everlasting life. What a promise. He took our sin and shame upon the cross. Now, church, I see a bit of myself in all these examples. In the blind men, before I come to the knowledge of the truth, blindly going about, unaware of the gospel of salvation, like the woman with the blood issue 12 years, she prayed. I'm not talking about the blood issue part, but just the praying part. And the length of time she prayed. What faith, church? How long have you been praying for your miracle? One week? A month? One year? Five years? I've been praying for my family since I came to faith. That's nine years of prayers. And I've seen very little fruit for those nine years of prayers. And I have a pretty big family. I have 14 siblings, around 45 nieces and nephews, and then there's grandnieces and grandnephews, about 100, who are not saved. Discouraged? Heck yes. Who wouldn't be discouraged with those results? However, church, there is hope. Amen? There is always hope. And I'm going to give you a story about hope back in the 7th of February, actually. That's only two days away. 2014. I was an unbeliever and I was driving from Tauranga to Tupuke. The team were driving down to Wellington in vans for Regatta and I was meeting the team at Tupuke. And you know, as I, um, I turned, I had this urge to hear some gospel music, so I tried to turn on FM and find a station. I couldn't find a station. I finally found one on AM. And I had, and after I did this, I just had this hard urge. And as I listened to the song, something came over me. And that just went through my body as I was driving, and I just burst into tears out of nowhere. And I know this wasn't right for a secular person. This just doesn't happen, right? And I felt this amazing, warm, beautiful feeling go through my body. Now, at the time, I didn't really know what it was, but now I know that it was the moving of the Holy Spirit. My own encounter with Jesus on the road to Tupuki. <laughs> A bit like Saul on the road to Damascus. Nothing as dramatic as Saul's, though, but I'm glad there was no blinding light because that would have been disastrous at 100 Ks, right? <laughs> I would have been meeting Jesus sooner than later. That night in Wellington Motel Room, I said a few words and asked Jesus into my life. And that's a crazy step of faith, right? Crazy step of faith. When I got home after the weekend, I told my wife and daughter, and they just were like, wow, it's <laughs> amazing. And about two, one to two weeks later, I was driving by the church just where Lynette worked, and they had this big banner spread across the front of the church. Healing meeting, 7 p.m. And I drove past this 
on several occasions over the next few days. And I had this brilliant idea to contact all the team of ladies and ask them to come to the healing meeting. As paddlers, we always have aches, pains, sore shoulders, sore backs, um, reoccurring illnesses. And I think I was pretty naive at the time to think that anyone would turn up. And we rocked up to the meeting. Now there's another step of faith, church. The three of us all going to a healing meeting. It turned out that none of the team turned up at all. It wasn't for them at this stage. This is all about my wife and daughter, who after listening to the message and witnessing the amazing healings that took place, both gave their lives to Christ. Amen. All three of us in the space of two weeks. That is a miracle. I always think, why aren't more whanau saved? Why aren't more friends saved? I don't know. Only God knows. However, church, it's not about how I feel that counts or if I'm discouraged or not about unsaved loved ones. It's really about faith. His ways are higher than ours and our ways are of earth and his ways are of heaven. It's about God's word, God's promises. His word never fails. In Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And in Hebrews 13, 8, Christ Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. Just like the woman with the blood issue, 12 years, praying, she received her miracle. Just like the blind men calling on Jesus and they received their miracle. Just like Jairus when things looked dire and his daughter had died, all hope gone. But he turned to Jesus and his daughter lived. The mute man who was possessed by a demon was delivered and free, able to speak. You know, in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment was brought us, peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. By your wounds, church, your long-standing illnesses, church, they're all healed. And in Acts 22:39 it says, and this is after the 3,000 had come to faith and Paul and Peter got up and, and said what had happened. He said, for the promise is to you, for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Church, this promise is for you and for your unsafe family. And unsaved friends, and you declare this over yourself every day. And in Acts 16.31, Peter going to the house of Cornelius, they believed in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. In James 5.13.16, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing praise, songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. 
Therefore confess your sins one to the other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Church, in all these cases, there are two common themes. They believed and they had faith. And as believers, we're instructed to have faith, righteous faith. Faith is an action word. To live by faith, you're taking action that's in accordance with God's word. Faith is strong trust and confidence in something or someone. And that someone being the Lord Jesus. And belief is a state of mind or habit that we can put our trust in. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. Faith in what, church? Faith in ourselves, in our abilities, in our wealth? No. Faith and trust in our Lord and his promises. We know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all died in faith and that they trusted in God's promises. And they had faith, even though they didn't get to see the promise, they believed in their promise. In Romans 4, 3, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we look at ourselves and trust in ourselves, we lose faith. If we look to God, seek God in all his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Just like Solomon, God said, you can ask for anything. And what did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom. And God said, because you have only asked me for wisdom and not wealth, riches, and lands, I will give you all your heart's desire. How do we get faith, church? Can we manufacture it? We can't just say, okay, I've got faith today. We can't do works towards faith. Faith is believing in God's word. Believing in his promises, even though we may not see the fruit of those promises in our lifetime. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. The woman with the blood issue had faith, Jairus had faith, the blind man had faith, those who brought the mute man had faith on his behalf. Let us have righteous faith. Strong faith, perfect faith, unwavering faith, faith in our Lord and Saviour, not just this morning, not just this week, all month or year, but faith in God's word forever. Faith like Job, regardless of how bad or how good things may be or what you've lost or may not have lost or what's going on in your life. Faith. Can the team come up, thanks?
Lord, we stand in your presence and we just ask the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, to work corporately and individually here right now. Our desire is to see the manifestation of your power. Who wants to see a manifestation of his power? I certainly do. That it will increase our faith. Jesus' death, burial and resurrection gave us freedom from sin and the grave. He broke the stronghold of Satan. Jesus' blood was an atonement for our sin. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own saints. You have been brought with a price, a great price. In Psalms 103 it says, God, It was God who made us, sealed us with his Holy Spirit. His mark is upon us. We are marked for eternal life. And with that seal comes power. In Ephesians 1, it says the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that dwells in you, in his body, church, you and me. Resurrection power, <laughs> healing power, Holy Spirit power. Imagine what the Lord would do if we let the freedom and liberty of the Lord and the Holy Spirit lead us. It'll be like on the day of Pentecost, magnified many times. Remember Jesus said in John 14, 12, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me and the works that I do shall he do also greater works than these. Wow. Greater. Greater works, church. That's for you and me. <laughs> Lord, may this day May this be us today, Lord. Let us speak prophecy over ourselves and over the church today. That there would be signs, wonders, miracles, healings, lives made new in Christ, people throwing away walking sticks, walking frames, mobile, mobility scooters, getting out of wheelchairs, long-standing persistent illnesses cured. There would be dancing in the aisles. Come on, guys. Let's see you dance. <laughs> Worshipping, speaking in tongues, interpretations, prophecies, visions, dreams, seeing of angels. We'd be entering into the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, caught up in the Spirit. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Church, can I just ask you to stand if I finish up? Ask you to stand with me. If you have a healing this morning, church, if you need prayer this morning, if you're needing your miracle this morning, if you need family members saved this morning, if you're needing a refreshing of the Holy Spirit this morning, if you need a laying on of hands this morning, if something is troubling you this morning, don't hold back. Give those to Jesus. Give them to God, and I declare over your lives, that they are turning around today. There's an angel of breakthrough assigned to you today. I declare breakthrough in every situation. I declare freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, freedom from worry. I declare freedom over your finances, freedom over your health, over your unsaved children, over your unsaved friends. I declare breakthrough in your walk with God this morning. 
I believe God is going to do great and mighty things, just like Ezekiel speaking life into those dry bones. I speak the power of the blood over you today. I speak the power in the name of Jesus over you right now into those dry areas of your life that God will do a good work in you and stir you up with healings, miracles, signs, wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. In Romans 1.17, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last, just as it is written. Mati whakapono, kaora aite tangatatika, the righteous shall live by faith. Thanks, Tim.